a couple of things I, I need to mention, and then I'll say just another word about our prayer focus this morning. Um, just got word this morning, Jeffrey Sharon's mom is uh, having some extreme difficulties. Uh, she has some physical issues, and they put her in an induced coma. She's in, in trouble. It's just a difficult time for the family, so please be praying uh, for the Sharons this morning. And also, I want to mention, I'm very grateful that you're here. I'm sure there are a lot of people that got up this morning, they realized that freezing rain is not too far away from us, and they decided not to come. We won't mention the fact that it was like a summer day on Friday, so it's highly unlikely that the road's going to be bad. But I want to mention to you, when you think about the Christmas play tonight, our resident National Weather Service meteorologist and elder Mike Moneypenny has assured us that there will be no freezing rain in our area. Now, because Mike has said so, do not let that keep you at home tonight, all right? I want you to come in. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's not here right now. And I bet he won't be here next Sunday, you know. No, uh, we actually, Mike is working because not far from here, it, it is pretty bad. But he has assured us that it's not going to be bad here tonight. So please come. We hope you will be here tonight. It is going to be quite a blessing. Christmas around the world. And again, what, what a tie-in to our prayer focus this morning and the, and the special music. Uh, with so many people around the world in our body. Not just in our church, but in our family. This is our family. Naomi Grace not only got this family that's sitting on this front row, but she got this entire family. It's an awesome privilege that we have to support those who are adopting and those who are fostering. Uh, That would be quite uh, a, a challenge I think most of us recognize, but what a great need and what a privilege we have to be a part of that process in so many children's lives. Um, how, how appropriate that I begin the message, actually before I begin the message this morning, I have a birth announcement. That's actually not so unusual around grace. It may be easier to talk about who's not going to have a baby than who is. I'm pretty sure Kathleen McKinney is not going to be having a baby anytime soon. But there may be quite a few in here that we don't even know about who are having babies. But what a blessing because every birth is special. And we celebrate every birth, every new child that comes in to this family known as Grace Community Church. But the birth announcement this morning has nothing to do with anyone here at Grace, but rather it's the announcement that the angel Gabriel gave to Mary. And we're going to examine and investigate this birth announcement. Now, that may sound a little bit odd to you because what investigation is there to, to do on a birth announcement. I mean, you want to know it's a boy or a girl. Maybe you don't know yet. Now, if you're the princess of Wales, the prince and princess of Wales, your, your kid's going to get a little more, you know, attention than, than most. But when you are a peasant girl like Mary, the mother of our Lord was when the announcement was made. 
then very few outside the family are going to care. But Mary wasn't making this announcement to her family. Instead, Gabriel was announcing to her. And he said, this is going to occur in a most unusual way. He told her that she would be giving birth to a son. So talk about an unexpected pregnancy. Uh, Mary knew all about that. And talk about a birth with significance. Well, let's hear from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. And if you would, please stand for the birth announcement of the ages. Verse 26 of Luke 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. He came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. And tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Father, we are overwhelmed when we will take the time to reflect on the events leading up to the incarnation. And then when we think about God becoming man, our hearts are are full to overflowing. I pray that you would cause us to contemplate This mystery, this wonderful, incredible news, God has come to earth, Emmanuel, God with us. We ask these things in the name of the one who came to live, die, and be resurrected, that we might not die eternally, but might live, Jesus. Amen. Thank you and be seated. A birth announcement is a good thing, isn't it? 
Usually it is. I mean, there, there are sometimes that circumstances um, create a less than exciting word from the doctor. You're going to have a baby. So what were the circumstances surrounding this stunning birth announcement? The most stunning birth announcement in all of history. I mean, this was, after all, the announcement of the Jewish Messiah. Uh, well, there was more to it than even, even Mary could imagine. I mean, she thought she had a, a sense of what God was saying. But she only knew part of it. She knew it was a big deal. And she knew that it would come with a cost. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. The fact that the Messiah would be born to a peasant girl in Nazareth was almost as nonsensical and ridiculous to the Jewish leaders as it was that the, the Jewish Messiah would be crucified at the hands of Romans by the demands of the Jewish religious leaders. It all just made no sense at all to anybody. And the idea that the Messiah would be born to a woman of Nazareth was probably just as shocking to Mary as it was to the religious leaders. The difference was though. Mary believed God. She believed God. When he revealed himself to her. I, I grew up in Fuquay Springs. Which in a time when, when Verena was merely a suburb of Fuquay. Um, you, you may have a rather high estimation of Fuquay Verena now. I mean I hear about. People in Bowie's Creek saying, I want to move to Fuquay. I want to move to Fuquay. Look, you didn't grow up in the triangle when I did. Uh, Pat Patterson, the kicks man of music from WKIX, 8.50 a.m. before there was an FM. Uh, the DJ did us no favors at all. Two flags over Fuquay. Thunderbarts Airlines in Duncan, North Carolina, which is, of course, a suburb of Fuquay Springs also. Uh, I, I, a few years ago, I was at a Carolina football game and sitting next to this guy from Durham, and he found out that I was from Fuqua, and he said, oh, two flags over Fuqua! Ha, 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 ha! I wasn't amused. I, you know, I had a number of quick responses, but the Lord held my tongue. I was so uh, grateful. Listen, uh, you get the point. I mean, if you currently reside in the quay... Uh, you may not realize what it was like 40 years ago. I'm telling you, it was no fun. But I, wanna, I want you to know that compared to Nazareth, Fuquay back then would come out shining like the Emerald City. I mean, this is the kind of, of place Mary was from. So think of the significance when the angel Gabriel bypassed Jerusalem, bypassed anywhere in Judea, went past Samaria and came. Not only to Galilee, which was kind of a redneck state, but to Nazareth, which was the reddest of the redneck states or cities in Galilee. And he came to Mary, hardly queen of the city. In fact, you, you probably know that Mary was a teenager. Uh, most scholars say somewhere between 12 and 14 and and probably most of them would lean toward the younger age. I mean, this was just a young girl, we would say now. You, you reached adulthood, not 
puberty, but adulthood much sooner back then than you do today. But it's stunning when we think about a 12 to 13-year-old girl being given this news. Highly unlikely that Mary could read. She was lowly, but she was humble. Now, you might think that material poverty and humility go together, but not necessarily. Just because you're poor doesn't mean you're humble. Mary was both poor and poor in spirit. She wasn't cosmopolitan. I mean, this was not a city girl. So just imagine when Gabriel came to her. Can you imagine what it was like? I mean, he'd just been to to John the Baptist, Father Zacharias, just a few months before coming to Mary. And, and he toned it down a good bit when he get, came to Mary. I'm sure he did. I mean, she knew he was an angel. But she must have been terrified. Listen, even in our day of special effects, there's not a one of us that would say, dude, how do you do that? I mean, that's really cool. Tell me how this is. We would be terrified probably more so than Mary was. Gabriel immediately sought to allay her fears. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But it didn't work. It never did. You know, when the angel said, don't, hey, be, don't, no fear. They were trembling anyway. Mary was greatly troubled. But even as her body was trembling, her mind was at work. She sought to discern the meaning of what was happening here. That's pretty impressive for a 12 to 13 year old girl, isn't it? She was contemplating in the right way. Don't miss, though, God's role in Mary's life. She was the recipient of God's favor. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Uh, unfortunately, the Vulgate, or the Latin translation of the Bible, does a very poor job of translating from the Greek. And it ends up saying in verse 28, Hail Mary, full of grace, from which comes the Catholic idea that Mary is a dispenser of grace. She's got so much grace that when you pray to her, she will extend grace to you. Not, what was being said at all. As Martin Luther said, the idea is more like this. Oh, Mary, you are blessed. You have a gracious God. No woman has ever lived on earth to whom God has shown such grace. You are the crown of them all. End quote. Now, listen. If there was one person who was opposed to much that the Catholic Church did in, in, in history, it was Martin Luther. He, he was seeking to reform the church. He wouldn't want to break away. But he had no option but to break away. Time and again, he was attacking the beliefs of the church. And for someone like Martin Luther, who understood the improper role that Mary had been given in the church, to speak so highly of Mary was pretty instructive while it's sinful us sinful for us to make too much of mary and frankly i think she would be horrified if she knew how she's worshiped would you want anybody to make as much of you as people have made of mary uh 
as sinful as it is to make too much of her, I, I, I don't think it pleases our Lord when we make too little of her. We often see that Mary contemplated the Lord's word to her with regard to Jesus. I suppose one of the best arguments for not elevating Mary to the status that she has found in the Catholic Church is that almost every interaction you see between Mary and Jesus, she's not getting it. And Jesus is gently rebuking her. So, how is this so if Mary is so full of grace that she doesn't understand fully who Jesus was? Probably didn't understand it fully until after his resurrection. And to say that she's sinless, how absurd. Well... Even so, Mary was constantly seeking to understand. She was trying to get, she was trying to figure it out. She was trying to make sense of everything. Even in this moment of shock, Mary contemplates the mysteries of God in the birth announcement. So if she had a lot to think about to this point, just consider what came next. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Does this remind you of anybody that we studied last year in Genesis? Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. The idea is that God is the one doing the extending. It's not that these people are so good that God says, you know, I think I'll take you. God gives his grace to us and then does what he will with us. So don't be afraid Mary. You have found favor with God. And behold you will conceive in your womb. And bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Can you imagine just absorbing this news? You're going to have a baby much quicker than you thought. And here's who it's going to be. Mary understood that Gabriel was saying nothing less. Than that she was going to bear the promised Messiah. Of David's line. This Davidic covenant that we've talked about recently. Is going to be fulfilled. It was at hand. The fulfillment was at hand. And this un likeliest of women was to carry the Messiah in her womb. And it would be a miraculous birth. Somehow Mary understood that Gabriel was not saying, so you and Joseph want you to go ahead and move up your wedding date. You're going to have a child. But rather he was saying, even though you have not had relations with the man, the Messiah will be born to you. So once again, the contemplative Mary says, "Uh, how is this going to happen? Now, she wasn't expressing a doubtful heart, but rather a curious mind. She, She said, okay, all right, I accept that. Tell me how it's going to happen. She knew that it couldn't occur In the natural way. But she was open to the supernatural. So here's a question for you. 
Are you indeed open to a supernatural explanation of why we exist, how we exist, all that has transpired in your life to this point? Is it possible that God has brought you to the place of believing in Him though you've spent most of your life looking away from Him, looking for other explanations for our existence and for all that occurs? The problem with a hard heart is that it tends to get harder unless God softens it. And hard hearts are not restricted to unbelievers. You may well have believed the Lord for a long time, but something happened in your life. And you put up a shell. You put up a wall. And you started trying to protect your heart. And in the process of protecting your heart, it grew hard. Oh, that we would take a cue from this peasant girl in this backwater town. Mary readily accepted that there is more to this life than meets the eye. And listen, I'm going to acknowledge that all of us, any of us who would see what Mary saw that day. By the way, is it not interesting to you? The angel came to Mary once. He came to Joseph three times. He didn't go to Joseph first. He came to Mary first, and then he went to Joseph and said, Joseph, it's okay. And then he said, Joseph, you need to get down to Egypt. And then he said, Joseph, you need to go on back, take your family back. That's just an aside. But, but if we saw what Mary and Joseph saw, we might say, wow, there's more to this than I even knew. I, I acknowledge that. But, but the difference, again, between many of us and Mary is that she believed before Gabriel ever came to her. She was prepared. She was ready for his announcement. Quite the example to us. I'm going to guess that Mary had a shaky voice when she said, so how how will this be? How's this going to happen since I'm a virgin? Then Gabriel shared the great mystery of the incarnation. This child will be yours, but he will be holy. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you and you will conceive. This was almost certainly a supernatural overshadowing, not not a physical overshadowing. Did it happen in that moment? Did it happen a little bit later? We don't know. All we know is that very soon Mary was pregnant. And Jesus would resemble his mother Mary. Don't you know he had sort of facial features? He, he looked like Mary. You know, people said, you know, he doesn't look at all like Joseph. <laughs> he looks like Mary. But he would also be the Son of God. Jesus was a common name that meant Savior. But God had prepared that name for his Son. Jesus, the Christ. So this was not simply the Messiah that the Jews expected, but this was God in the flesh that Mary was going to bear to be worshipped by men and angels alike. And Mary, every time we see Mary almost, she's just taking it all in. She's, she's thinking about it. She's contemplating what God is doing. So what was her response to the announcement? Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. 
Let it be to me according to your word. (laughs) Could you have a better response to God's word than that? It's appropriate, is it not, that this humble servant girl would bear the Lord's servant, the servant of the Lord who would come in all humility, leaving eternity to step into time so that we might, finite men and women, might experience eternity. Have you ever looked around in your world and said to yourself, well, who am I? I mean, what can I contribute to my world? What can I even contribute to my church? I'm not as smart. I'm not as rich. I'm not as gifted as other people sitting around me. I could never do this. I could never do that. Who am I? You don't want to be focusing inwardly like that when the Lord comes to you with a grand assignment. You don't want to be feeling sorry for yourself like that. On the other hand, if you look around and say, well, I'm so happy to make a contribution to my world and my church. After all, the Lord has made me intelligent, wealthy, talented. Good thing I'm here. Then the Lord is not likely to stop by your place at all. He's going to keep right on moving. Not that being healthy and wealthy and wise automatically makes you prideful any more than being materially poor makes you humble or makes you more of a candidate for God's service. No matter the life, no matter the place that God has given you, it would be good to learn from Mary about the kind of people that God uses. So what do we learn from Jesus' mother? Well, first, stating the obvious, Mary was humble. And poor in spirit. She wasn't self-sufficient. There's probably not anybody in this room that doesn't want to be self-sufficient. That's been drilled into your heart and mind all of your life. From your earliest days, you've been told, take care of yourself. Don't make other people. Don't be dependent on other people. Now, sometimes we find ourselves when we are. And there are a lot who... Or grow up. They didn't go. Listen, when you start talking about this, this culture of dependence in our society, which I certainly wish were not as prolific as it is, but when you do, just remember the home you were blessed to grow up in. And you didn't grow up in the home that you grew up in because you were so smart. God just put you there. And your parents pounded into you. This is who you need to be. Well, you know what? That pounding sometimes works against us. Be self-sufficient. Don't depend on other people. And it puts us in a place where when God says, I want you to depend on me, that we say, oh, no, 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 no. I can take care of this. You know, uh, you don't hear it so much anymore, but when I was a kid, especially at this time of year, you know, you'd hear these songs on the radio that were kind of talking songs, and you'd hear things like, Lord, 
I'm just coming to you. I don't mean to bother you none, but I just want it. You know, this one's a little beyond me. I'll take care of my business most of the time, but Lord, would you help me on this one thing? What we all have, a lot of us have that attitude. Mary was not self-sufficient. She was not proud. She was willing to accept her lowly status and her need. She was in an ideal place to open her heart to the Lord's grace. Listen, in addition to the ways we've been trained, the freedoms that we enjoy in our time and the prosperity that we indulge in this life tend to work against us with regard to being open to God's grace. When Jesus says it's more difficult for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of, of heaven. We need to listen carefully because every single person in this room is rich. We're all rich. You may think, oh, not compared. That's the problem. See, we, we compare ourselves. Constantly comparing ourselves to people below us, to people above us. We have different frames of mind when we're comparing with those under us and when we're comparing with those over us. You know, like, <laughs> I'm not like you. Oh, I'm not like you. But the freedom and the prosperity that we enjoy can work against us. The poor are just as susceptible to pride and a materialistic spirit as the rich. But money does something to us, doesn't it? Money has this weird way of making us think we're always right about everything. We would do well to live our lives as young Mary, humble and poor in spirit, looking to God for grace and salvation, for living in the power of the Holy Spirit, in loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, in responding to our critics, in sharing the gospel. Come to the Lord in humility and with a spirit that is not proud or arrogant. How do we do that? Well, we take another note from Mary and realize that her reflective, meditative spirit opened her heart to the word and work of God. It'd be really cool if one, two, three, four would go like that, but it's not going to. Uh, it just doesn't. Oh, it is. Oh, that's because we got a really cool operator today, Tony Coor back there. Those guys in the back do so much more than you are aware. We're really grateful for the ways that they serve us. E- even though Mary was not super, uh, was young, she was not superficial. She knew that she had found favor in the Lord's eyes at his initiative. When Jesus was 12 years old and he was debating with the, with the religious leaders in the temple and everybody was amazed, his parents had lost him, you know. And so they, they, they have this three to four day search and they finally find him. And, and they say, why did you do this, boy? And Jesus, again, gently rebukes his mother. Didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? My father's house, think of the significance of what he was saying. A lot of people would have thought that remark to be impertinent. But Mary just took it all in. And she thought about it. 
contemplated. She treasured these things in her heart. What a great way to, to translate that. Her entire life, Mary contemplated the word of God given to her, seeking to understand the Lord and his ways. Now, I know that there are some of you who overthink life's twists and turns. You know, you're constantly trying to, what does this mean? What does that mean? And if you do that, you're setting yourself up for for possible confusion. I mean, I've done nothing but serve the Lord. And this happens to me? Really, this? What is that? How did that? What have I missed? Maybe God's not as good as I thought he was. Overthinking is not the problem that most of us have, though. Failing to reflect on God's sovereign hand and our circumstances and all that it may mean for his glory and our good is what we most often lack. Perhaps the primary reason we fail to recognize God's role in our lives is that we fail to think deeply about his word. So as you approach not only this Advent season, but but also the end of the year, uh, can I challenge you to assign God's word a place of greater priority in your life? I mean, not only be at church on Sunday mornings, but, but be in a home group. Look, I, I thought about writing this in. I didn't write it in. Now I'm going to say it anyway. I was going to say, Mary's contemplative spirit leads us to think about home groups, of course. Um, what you hear on Sunday morning is good. But we don't, we don't grow this way. We don't grow by hearing the word and then just saying, okay, I'm going to store that away for a different place in my life. When do you want to know about what the Mormons believe. When do you want to know about the Trinity? When somebody's knocking on your door. Or when you're at work with someone. We grow in need to know. Or need to grow situations. And the great thing about home group. Is that we, we, we take the word that we hear on Sunday morning. And then we process it. Mary processed all that was going on in her life, what happened right after this announcement? What's the next thing we read about? She goes to Elizabeth, and she and Elizabeth, you know, have this party. I I just won't go there. They had this party, you know, they're just praising God for the great things that he's doing. And when in home groups we process the word and we discover that the word deals with every circumstance in our lives. And sometimes I know in your home group you don't get to the lesson because somebody says, you know, I've got this big deal in my life. And you talk about it. And you see, how does the word speak to me in this situation? We'll talk more about that at the first of the year. But not only let the word Be right at the edges of your mind on Sunday morning and a little deeper during the during home groups. But, but, but make plans to be in the Word every day, whether that be a quiet time or a commitment to reading through Scripture. But don't let it be just simply a discipline. The discipline spiritual disciplines are very good. 
But only when we come to him with the right heart and spirit, asking the Lord to give his word to us. Not God's word for me in this particular day, because God's word is God's word. But what, how do I respond to what's going on in my life according to the word that God has already given and that is more than sufficient to help me through this? Also, as you read, take another cue from Mary, who believed that God could do anything. Mary wasn't exactly sure how God would accomplish his will, but believed, she believed that he could do what he said, and in fact, he can do whatever he wants to do in our lives. Do you believe that God is doing amazing things? things in your life right now you, you may be saying oh no you oh you can't no and ask what your circumstances are do you believe that God is doing amazing things in your life right at this very moment just think of the ways that Mary could have responded Lord people People are going to accuse me of being immoral if I'm found to be pregnant before I'm married. <clears throat> in fact, it's, it's almost certain that at the very moment Gabriel spoke to Mary in this mind of hers that's going so quickly and so deeply into what God is doing that she understands that she is going to be misunderstood. Can, is it possible for you to imagine that the painful trial you are enduring at this moment has purpose and will be revealed to be beautiful, even if it's after this life? Do not kid yourself. Everything is not going to get better. Sometimes God gives us this incredible taste of what our hope in Jesus is going to lead to. And he does... He works beauty from ashes. Just all the things that he's promised he does. But it doesn't always work out like we wanted to. But you know what? It's God's plan and it's beautiful. It's good for us to believe that and to acknowledge that. More than anything else, more than anything else, God wants us to trust him. To just believe him. That would imply, would it not, that God is not only greater than us, but he is wiser than us as well. You know what my, my biggest regret in life is? It, it, when, when Linda got sick, I, I can't tell you how many people who told me, well, at least it's good that you have time to work out things between you. I, I, we got nothing to work out. We did that in our early years. In some very difficult early years. But we were committed. And we had nothing to work out. We treasured every day. Of those 13 months that the Lord gave us after. Her brain tumor was discovered. You know what my regret is? My regret, my major regret in life 
is not responding to the Lord in faith. When all the trials that have been, that was one of them. But all the trials that have befallen me in my life. And I am exactly where God wants me to be. The recipient of his grace. I am so unworthy. And to this day I am so unworthy. But how many times do I wish I could just go back. And in the face of painful circumstances. Even criticism which is bound to come. To every person who serves. It's bound to come to everybody period. Especially those who serve the Lord. And you can serve the Lord just as much as I do. And you're going to be criticized. Well, I just wish I could I'd just say, Lord, I accept this from your hand. It's okay. Would I had followed young Mary's lead in this last way. Mary gave herself in profound submission to God. And here's how she did it. Because she recognized That it's not that God is a part of my story, but I am a part of his story. And it's a wonderful role, whatever he decides for me to play. Even if it costs me dearly. In fact, uh, God's plan did cost Mary dearly and she saw it all. She knew. It's obvious the way her mind worked. She processed it all. So it was not a surprise to her when in John chapter 8 we're told that as an adult the religious leaders were accusing Jesus of being born illegitimately and saying, you got no credibility at all. Look at your mother was immoral and that's why you're here. Joseph almost walked away from Mary. In fact, he did walk away until the Lord says, Ah, Joseph, don't do that. There's there's purpose here. She knew that that might happen, but her response is always the appropriate response to God's word to us. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Listen, without question, God's word comes to us in more general ways than it did to Mary. Where the angel Gabriel came to her and then her own son was God. And so when he spoke to her, it was the word of God coming directly to her. her. But our hearts, God expects our hearts to be in equally profound submission to him as was Mary's. Right now, right now, not asking you to close your eyes, just in your heart, ask God to make you submissive to his word. Not just to teach you his word, but to be submissive to his word and therefore to be submissive to him. Can you imagine the freedom In your soul. If you would just simply respond. To all that life throws to you. Like Mary did. I'm the servant of the Lord. Do to me. As you will. It's always good. To remember. 
that God is sovereign. And listen, do I talk about that most weeks? Do I say God is sovereign? Most weeks I do. And I can't tell you the number of times that in that lobby, Diane McLaughlin said to me, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. And I needed to hear it. And it comforted me. It always helps to remember that God is sovereign. And then to believe at the same time He is good is a different thing for a lot of us. It's far more difficult to believe that. We recognize God as sovereign. That's why people are so angry with God. You know, atheists say, God, why did you do this to me? We all get it. And, and, and don't give me the old, well, that's not God, that's Satan. Really? Satan's got that much power over God that he can do things. And God's like, gosh, let that one get away from me. I'll try to, I'll, I'll not, next time. No, or if you would just pray a little more, wouldn't that happen? Everything that comes to us comes from the heart and hand of God. Does it seem odd to you that submission to God during times of trials particularly is often associated with the spirit of rejoicing or at least that's the command in scripture. Rejoice when you fall into all different kinds of trials. Today's message is so closely associated to last week's message about a grateful heart. So much begins with with a grateful heart and so much... Other begins with an ungrateful heart. Let's pray. And then I want us to rejoice in song as we give thanks to God for his great gift to us in Jesus. (laughs) Father, Mary who was named sorrow, bitterness, what her name means, and had a sister named Mary, (laughs) because her father, I'm sure, was so distraught about the circumstances. Mary was the recipient of God's grace, and oh, what a response. Challenge and encourage our hearts. You've done an incredible thing, Lord. (laughs) This story is so far beyond our comprehension. People look at this story of the incarnation and of the crucifixion and the resurrection and they say, that is crazy. Until they believe and then they find it as all of us who believe do. To be beyond Man's wildest ability to conceive. What a beautiful thing you have done in Jesus. We recognize that we must enter the kingdom of God through many tribulations. But even in that pain, you are painting a beautiful picture. It's your masterpiece. And we are privileged, we are thrilled to be a part of your plan a part of your story that's going to end in rejoicing and so on this day we rejoice in your gift of God in Jesus name
Amen. If you'd remain standing for the benediction. I'm not an English teacher, but if I played one on TV, I'd want you all to pay attention to what we have in Hebrews as the writer opens us up to God in the present tense. We focus on what God has done so much, we forget he's with us now. The supremacy of God's Son. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Go in peace. Mm -hmm.